it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 513 for December 8th, 2017. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Tom Merritt, host of the Daily Tech News Show. And we're sharing a gin and tonic together to do this show. Cheers. <laughs> Oops, he almost spilled. A, oh, yeah. Can we make it clink? There we yeah, go. Was- Slurp. <laughs> Well, I asked, I asked Tom to come on the show because he has a unique understanding of net neutrality of the the depth and the history and has spent a lot of time studying this. Um, this is the debate going on in the United States. Would be interesting to know whether this is true at all in other countries. Um, but the main reason I wanted to bring Tom on is because, as our friend Patrick Beja once said, Tom is pathologically unbiased. <laughs> So I, I I'm really not, uh, but I do work really hard to counter my own biases, and I think that's what Patrick means. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I I could never be as unbiased as you. I mean, heck, I've got the word bias in my my show. Uh, <laughs> Just a slight <laughs> one, know? though. Just a little little bitty one. So we're not going to be political. We're going to talk about the facts mm-hmm. as we know them and understand them, and uh, try to figure out what's going on here. And this is important because there's a vote on the 14th in the, in the United States, and it seemed like a good time to sneak this in. I want to start by trying to define net neutrality. Would you agree that a good definition for this discussion is net neutrality means all packets are treated treated equally with no preference in speed or quality, depending on, you know, independent of source? Yeah. I mean, this is the problem with net neutrality when you really get nitty gritty about it is everybody's got their own slight definition. That's a great definition. Uh, on, on In general, that gets the idea across, which is. An ISP's job is to deliver me the packets from wherever I request them and don't get in their way, right? If you start to really parse what you just said, some network engineers would probably go, well, I mean, you want to say something like best effort because sometimes you will prioritize certain packets over others because latency is more sensitive to them. So video streaming being an example, you need those packets to come in order. But a text email wouldn't matter. Yeah, your email, exactly. That doesn't matter so much. So there's some nitpicking that you can do. But if if you're just saying, look, we know it's not the perfect definition But in general, net neutrality means the packets are packets and we don't treat them differently because of what's in them. I mean, I think that's really the 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 content within. Yeah. So if I'm sending video or you're sending video, those two things are the same. Yeah. There might be a a protocol difference. There might be a time to live difference on a packet, but there shouldn't be a difference of like, oh, that one came from Allison and she hasn't paid me. So let's hold that one up (laughs) while we let Tom's packets come in because he paid me a lot of money. Okay. Okay. All right. Good. So we've got we've got um, a definition that we can work with here. And I, I started doing some reading to be prepared and have the dates and t- uh, and stuff on here. And we could go back quite far in time to talk about this. But the two spots that seem to be lines in the sand were that in 2002, the FCC classified broadband as an information service. In 2015, the FCC reclassified broadband as a common carrier. And it's commonly referred to as Title II. Its full name, though, is Title II of the Communications Act of 1934. Now, I don't know if the 1934 part is part of the problem of them not knowing what to do with something like the Internet. But those are the two lines in the sand I knew. And I was wondering, can you start by trying to explain to us the different what is an information service and what is a common carrier? 
Yeah, sure. And 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 folks, if you want even more detail than what Allison's talking about, I have pinned at the top of my Twitter page, twitter.com slash ace detect, uh, the short history of net neutrality uh, that that goes through all these dates. Telecommunications Act of 1934 was also amended by the Telecommunications Act of 1996. So keep that in mind, too, when people go, ah, oh, we don't want a 1934 law <laughs> governing the Internet. Well, it's not just a 1934 law. It's also a 1996 law, and it's a 2002 decision. Like, it evolves over time. But the 19, diff- nine, uh, even 1996, I'm pretty sure if my ciphering's correct, that's 21 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and this is, this is going to get to the – we're going to get to this a little bit later. Telecommunications service was first regulated in the 30s. Information services came along in the 90s uh, because of cable television. So a telecommunication service is the transmission between or among points specified by the user of information of the user's choosing without change in the form or content of the information as sent and received. So your phone. (laughs) I choose to call you and tell you whatever I want to tell you. Phone company doesn't have any business knowing what I'm saying. It's it's they're just connecting me to the thing that I want to connect to. That's telecommunication service. That is a telecommunication Which is service. Neither of the two is, things I said. Well, no, but that is what is common carrier regulation. So uh, common carrier class, is a telecommunication service. Well, not exactly, but <laughs> if you are a telecommunication service, then you can be regulated as a common carrier. Okay. And the and so it's it's kind of the same definition, which a common carrier is a broader term for any system that says we don't care what's in the stuff where our business is just to move the stuff around. So UPS is a common carrier, right? They're like, we don't care what's in the package unless it's dangerous. Uh, but, you know, once once you determine that there's, you know, there's nothing's going to blow up in there. We'll just bring it. We're not going to open it up and look and see what's inside. We'll charge you by weight, not by what's in it, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And that's, uh, so that was, make that's sure I health- get this. Yeah, go ahead. That's, that's the common carrier definition is something that gets transmitted that, that uh, the user is in charge of the data and nobody's messing with it in between. Right. So when the FCC reclassified ISPs as a telecommunications service, they were able to regulate it as a common carrier and say, you don't get to look at what's in the packets. The packets just get moved from place to place, just like a phone call, just like a package. Okay. An information service uh, was came along in the 90s because of cable television. And cable television was like, well, we want to pick the channels <laughs> that we give people. We shouldn't be considered a telecommunications service. That's silly. So they created new law and said an information service is the offering of a capability for generating, acquiring, storing, transforming, processing, retrieving, utilizing, or making available information via telecommunications. So you can use telecommunications to do it, but you're offering the capability of generating it, transforming it, retrieving it, and includes electronic publishing, but does not include any use of any such capability for the management, control, or operation of a telecommunications system. So I can send it over phone lines, right? But it's not a phone call and it's not a way to make phone calls. This is cable TV uh, to, to simplify so wait, it. Wait, Skype. Well, yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> point, right? Uh, information services store and provide 
TV channels. You get to switch between the ones they choose to offer. They offer a capability for generating a channel on one end, acquiring it on your end, storing it on a DVR, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they get to choose. Like, we're delivering you information. We choose what the information is. You request it from our catalog of information, and then you get it. So I create two podcasts, and I I put them out there for you to pull down, and you get to choose which one, and I make it. Yeah, the idea is... I'm relying on you to tell me where the information comes from. I just say, I want to watch ESPN. And you say, great, I'll take care of all that and get you ESPN. You don't have to know ESPN's satellite code. You don't have to know anything about it. You'll just get ESPN. The argument that is made for the Internet being an information service is you don't actually know the server you don't know what transit networks are needed to get to Netflix. You just know you want Netflix. And so the ISP delivers Netflix to you. Yeah, it get, it gets really confusing with things like Netflix, right? Because how is Netflix different than CBS? Right. And, and, and Except so I get to watch it when I want to watch it. The argument, <laughs> you know, that could be just a really robust information service is, hey, we've got all the channels in the world. You just tell us which one you want. We'll bring it to you. We can cap- We can generate websites. We can acquire websites. We can store them. We can transform them. We can process them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to talk think, us into it's both, aren't you? Well, I think there are – I don't think it's ridiculous to look at an ISP and say it's an information service, and that's what makes this ping pong that the FCC is going through a problem is that you can make a rational argument that an ISP – could operate like an information service. I think telecommunications service is truer to the spirit of the internet, which is I put up a server, you put up a server, we can interconnect, and the the companies that, that transmit it be- between us shouldn't worry about what's in our packets. I think that feels right to me, uh, but you could conceive of an internet and a web that worked like an information service. Yeah, they they sound like if you combined them together... It describes exactly what we're, <laughs> what the internet really is, doesn't it? Well, I mean, is there anything yeah. about either one that you can say that doesn't apply to the internet? No, that's the problem. That's the <laughs> ultimate problem is really neither one of these are a fit. I mean, the telecommunications service doesn't have any, the way I look at it is telecommunications service definition doesn't have a problem. Everything the internet does applies to it, but it doesn't encompass everything the internet does. Oh, Okay. So right? it's what it, is an information service can apply to the things on the internet, but it's not a good fit for how the internet actually works. Oh, I see what you're saying. So the content matches in information service, but not the way it gets to you. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like they're both lacking. Both definitions are lacking in their applicability. And that makes sense because the internet is a new thing. Just like in 96, when they said, oh, we need a new telecommunications law to apply to cable television because the telecommunication act of the thirties doesn't apply probably need a new law fraught with its own peril. Trust me, (laughs) but we probably need a new law to apply to the internet because none of these definitions really fit very well. Yeah. Have you heard of them working on new law? There are some efforts underway. Uh, there, there's one congressman, uh, who has, uh, put forth, you know, some drafting, uh, of a bill and, and is, and is working on it. Um, John Thune, senator from South Dakota, drafted legislation in 2015 that would have outlawed the online practices of blocking, throttling, and paid prioritization of legal content over broadband cable and wireless connection. Uh, So that was a good start. 
towards that, but the political will to push for that hasn't been there. Okay. So we've got, we started with the internet was uh, defined as an information service. Then we flipped over to being called common carrier is the vote on the 14th that looks, it smells like a fate accompli, mm. fate accompli, yeah, uh, well. that it's going to, that it's going to flip back to being an information service. Yeah. And don't forget that the internet was an, was a telecommunication service all through the nineties. Oh, so it was and telecommunications, it, then it was information, then telecommunications yeah. now going because, back to information. I mean, it was kind of a fact that most ISPs were dial-up. They're like, oh, well, it's a telecommunications service, so I guess that's a telecommunications service. Then in 2002, the cable TV companies who were had been you know, offering ISP services started to say, well, hold on, we're a cable company. We're used to being regulated as an information service. We want to be regulated as an information service. So they challenged the FCC law. And then in 2005, the Supreme Court upheld an FCC ruling that cable modem service was an information service. And then after the Supreme Court case was decided, the FCC just classified wireline broadband internet service as information. And so from 2005 to 2015, it was an information service. So in all of this, so we're talking about definition of what these things are, but what do either of these definitions have to do with whether or not uh, companies are allowed to throttle us because somebody didn't pay the right amount of money or we asked for um, the wrong kind of service? You know, I wanted right. Netflix, but it turns out HBO paid more money, so Netflix is going to be too slow. So the internet companies, the internet service providers uh, decided uh, they wanted to mess around with some some ways of prioritizing traffic and charging websites to access their customers. There was this whole thing about uh, you you don't deserve a free lunch, Google. Uh, that I remember was, those specific things, and I could have sworn I was paying those same people a whole bunch of money for me to be allowed <laughs> to get Google. Well, that's what kicked this off. October 2005, uh, SBC at the time, before it was AT&T, CEO Ed Whiteacre said the free lunch thing. Uh, and people were like, well, wait a minute. Google spends a lot of money to get on the internet. It's not free for them to be on the internet. That's not how it works. People who subscribe to AT&T want to get those things. That's why they're paying you as a, you know, you don't get to charge both ends of the spectrum and the whole net neutrality fight began. So uh, under, I think, Janikowski, they tried to put in some open internet rules. Was Janikowski before Wheeler? Yeah. Okay. And the FCC chairman Janikowski in 2010 uh, they tried a little legal trickery to use a section of the Telecommunications Act that charges the FCC with encouraging universal access to say, well, that means we can ensure access and net neutrality is all about making sure everyone has access to everything. So we'll create rules against blocking, th throttling and paid prioritization. Verizon took the FCC to court saying you can't use universal access for that. And the hmm. court said, they're right. Uh, Verizon Internet Service Provider is classified as an information service. You can't tell an information service what they do with the content that they deliver. The information oh. service is about acquiring and storing and all of that. They get to decide. You you can't tell a cable TV company. You have to carry all the channels, right? They right, get to right. decide which channels. And so the court said, look, if you declared them a common carrier, we'd feel differently. But since they're, you've decided they're an information service, you don't get to use the universal access provision for this, which is why when Tom Wheeler took over, 
he decided to go ahead and reclassify and say, fine, we're reclassifying ISPs as common carriers under the telecommunications uh, definition, and now we can say no blocking, throttling, paid prioritization. Uh, and that's what is now being overturned or, or proposed to be overturned and likely will be approved on December 14th. So the other point in here is that if I understand this correctly, the FCC doesn't actually have any sort of enforcement arm anyway, right? They they can't, they're not in charge of enforcing any of these laws. Is that correct? Well, I, you know, I don't know about that. That that doesn't, that sounds like a, a, a distinction without a difference or a difference. Well, but you I know. felt like FTC, is it? Is that the other okay. one? Yes, there's the Federal Trade Commission and there's the FCC. The FCC can can enforce its rules. They can levy fines. What oh, Ajit okay. Pai is saying is, look, we're not a consumer protection agency. It's not our job to make to get in between consumers and ISPs. Okay. We're going to reclassify everybody as an information service. And we know that one of the fears is that if we do that, the ISPs will abuse their consumers, but that's not our job. That's oh. the FTC's job. The Federal Trade Commission is over how businesses and their consumers interact. That's their place to fight. Okay, We're going to let them handle that if there's an abuse. What Wheeler had done is say, well, you're a common carrier. And as we get to regulate common carriers and they have to do certain things, and it doesn't matter what, what the consumers say, we can also handle complaints with consumers against common carriers. So we will do that. Uh, and Ajit Pai thought, well, that's overreach. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So he's actually reducing the power of his organization in enforcement yeah. of the of the rules here. Right. His argument is we shouldn't be in that business. We shouldn't be doing that. That's what the FTC is for. Let's let's reduce government you know, waste by having the FTC handle this. Now, there is a wrinkle to that, which is AT&T is in court against the FTC regarding throttling on their a wireless ISP. Uh, and they're arguing to the court that we're a common carrier. The FTC has no no jurisdiction over common carriers, even though. This is a complaint about data. It falls on our phone plan. And our, as a phone company, we're a telecommunications service. So they, they can't regulate us. If they were to win that case on that argument, and if the FCC like turned off its consumer complaint, said, no, you're an information service, FTC handles that, it could end up where the consumer had nowhere to complain, that the FCC would have washed their hands of it and the court case would stop you from complaining about information service problems if the company was also a common carrier. Okay, so I, that was a sharp turn and then a U, and then I think you signaled with both hands. Yeah. <laughs> so AT&T is a common carrier because they're a phone company. On the phone side, on the phone you're side. always a common carrier. Yeah. But on the internet side, they're an, they're a, an information service. But Well, no, right now no, they're right a common, common carrier. When this court case began was when they were still considered an information service. <laughs> so that's, the good news is the court I, takes so long that it'll have flipped back exactly. by the time. That's, this case had to be tried with the FTC because it was before Wheeler had changed the classification. Okay. So they were, they were playing both sides of the coin then. Yeah. And what, what is their, I, I lost it. What is their argument against uh, to the FCC then? Well, to the FTC in this case. Oh, right. Sorry. Confusing. So 
I'm glad back, I had you on to clarify this, by the way. I'm, right? I'm really on board now. Back before ISPs were considered common carriers, again, before 2015, okay. AT&T was throttling its unlimited customers, right? Right. Uh, and so to because they were an information service, the FCC is like, we, you can do whatever you want. That's fine. Uh, if consumers have a problem, they think it's abusive, they should go to the Federal Trade Commission. Okay. So that's what happened. Class action suit against AT&T saying, you told us it was unlimited, but then we hit a limit and you started throttling us. That's not okay. Uh, so the FTC brought the case to court and AT&T is saying, listen, we're a common carrier. You know, our service contracts as a whole are mostly about phone in as far as you know, in 2011, when this case began. So we should not be beholden to the rules that apply to information services. We're a common carrier. That's that just the FTC doesn't have any jurisdiction here. Wow. <laughs> I mean, the court may say you're full of it. Your data is an information service at this time. So you have to deal with the FTC. That may happen. But if the court is convinced by AT&T, then the precedent would be set that, oh, well, if you offer your data service as part of a bundle with common carrier services, we're going to treat you like a common carrier. Uh, at which point you might be able to then go to the FCC and say, well, the court said you're a common carrier, so now we're going to sue you over there. But it would certainly be complex. <laughs> okay. So – one of the questions I really wanted to ask, and this seems to have come up a lot, is that um, if the FCC, people are saying, if the FCC reclassifies broadband as an information service, we will lose net neutrality. But in reality, did we actually have net neutrality since 2015? I mean, sort of. Guaranteed? It's, I mean, yeah. I mean, we had provisions that said that the internet service providers could not block, throttle, or engage in paid prioritization. And there is evidence that certain plans and certain procedures that sort of verged on that were abandoned. They're like, eh, you know what? Fine. We don't want to be taken to court by the FCC over this. Uh, oh, we, we, okay. don't want to get in, we don't want to get into it. We'll just back off. It's not like we have pure net neutrality. There were things like zero rating and such that are sort of on the edge that even the FCC said, well, we don't know if that's actually a violation of net neutrality. So we'll we'll handle that on a case by case basis. Uh, but but by and large, we have had net neutrality. And the dirty little secret is we pretty much had it before <laughs> they were reclassified as a telecommunications service. It's all a matter of who gets to hold the stick. Is it the FCC? Because if the FCC is holding the stick, it's a bigger stick. If it's public perception, which is kind of what we had from 2005 until 2015, it still works. It's just messier. And ISPs are more likely to try something to see if they can get away with it. One example being Comcast, in under the guise of fighting piracy, uh, started to do deep packet inspection on torrents. And, okay. and so they were violating net neutrality by saying, we're going to block certain things based on what's in them. Was that, that after the common carrier ruling after 2015? This, no, this was before. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is back in like 2008, I think. Uh, and, and there was public outrage. And so they stopped doing it. So public, out, you're saying that's a case where public outrage did yeah. stop it. They, they didn't stop it because there were rules against it. They stopped it because pressure. Caught was them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to get back to um, the zero rating thing, but, 
there there were examples of that I heard about that I wanted to get into of where uh, like was it Comcast? I forget who it was. Was slowing down network tra- uh, Netflix traffic, and then a bunch of money got paid. And people are like posting these graphs right now that show. And here's the speed of Netflix, and then here's when the money got paid. And you see the speed go back up. Proof there was they've already violated net neutrality, even when they were. But whatever. But but I heard you say that's not net neutrality problem. No, it wasn't. Uh, this is it's a great example of why we need legislation, uh, because it was an abusive practice uh, of market position by Comcast, in my opinion. Uh, It was certainly a use of market position by Comcast. Uh, What they were doing is, try to explain it as simply as possible, there's something called an interconnection when when companies are big enough, uh, where, let's say I'm Netflix, and the normal way I would do something is I I would put up my servers, uh, I would make uh, some agreement with tr- what are called transit providers. These are big companies that used to be called the backbone, uh, if you've heard that term. Okay. Uh, although that term's kind of dated now. And transit providers basically say, we'll make sure that packets get from ISPs and companies uh, through the internet to wherever they're going, right? And so you pay a transit company a little, a little bit of money. Or, the pipes, or often, as it were. Yeah, a lot of times you'll just peer with them. If you have a lot of traffic coming in, you can say, well, we'll give, we'll, we won't exceed the amount of traffic coming in that you're sending us if you take our traffic going out. Uh, and, and so Cogent is one of those. Level 3 is one of those, if you've ever heard those names. But the names don't matter. What they do is they make sure that the packets get from Netflix through the Internet to Comcast or to AT&T or to Quest or whatever ISP. What Netflix was doing because they were getting so big they were going straight to the ISPs and saying, let's just interconnect directly as if we were uh, our own transit provider. So we'll have we'll have a port in the Comcast data center uh, where we plug our Netflix stuff into your Comcast stuff. Uh, and then that way, when people a- access Netflix, it'll be faster and it'll get to them faster. Uh, a lot of times these things happen in ex- what are called exchange points that are owned by independent third-party entities so that the different folks can connect with each other. Um, and what was going on with Comcast and Netflix is Comcast had so many people using Netflix because it was getting pop- popular that they needed to add more ports. Right? Okay, because it's, so and this, this has been going, going on in the background and none of us know about it. It's all going great. Yeah, Netflix yeah. is They're rocking. Like, Normally, what would happen in that situation is is uh, Comcast at ISP would say, oh, uh, our customers want this thing. We better add a few more ports. There is a cost to it. It's not a huge cost. You have to send an engineer out. You have to buy some equipment. You have to put it in. It's not free, uh, but it's the kind of thing that's like, well, you know, it keeps our customers happy. We do it. Well, Comcast is big enough. They said, well, look, Netflix is not going to want to not reach our customers, right? Mm-hmm. Don't add the ports. Just let it slow down. Because And so Comcast tried to bring Netflix to the bargaining table to pay them to reach Comcast customers. Okay. Comcast was like, we got 30% of the United States. You want to reach them? You need more ports. You want more ports? You got to pay for it. Huh. That's was- not a violation of net neutrality because Comcast isn't managing packets. Comcast isn't stopping okay. Netflix from coming in. They're just not adding capacity. So they're not throttling them, but they're people- not letting them go as fast as they were, but they were going faster than somebody else because they had set up this direct connection. Right. It's a, well, not, it's not even so much about that. It's that there was just so many people wanted Netflix stuff, which is one of the reasons like when somebody started a VPN, 
their speed would go back up because it wasn't going through Comcast anymore. It was going around through a transit <laughs> Wait, provider. faster through VPN. Yeah. Oh, that's ironic. Because what was happening is, uh, you know, for simplicity's sake, let's imagine that there are four Ethernet ports that connect the Netflix server to the Comcast server. It's way more complicated than that. But um, for, for sure. uh, you know, imagination's sake, there's four ports and those four ports are jammed. You can't put more traffic through them. Uh, and so when when you went and asked for Netflix, it was like, ah, it's just the four ports. You know, it's all we got. Uh, whereas if you went to a VPN, instead of going into the access point from Comcast, it would go out to Cogent. And Cogent's like, we got tons right, of Right, because ports. Netflix That's is in here. <laughs> yeah, right? And so we'll get you to Netflix, no problem. Oh, that is really interesting. But But even the yeah. fact that they were... Uh, direct connecting to Netflix through these four Ethernet ports, which I don't care whether you told me it was simplification. I will always remember <laughs> that. Um, isn't that almost a, well, I guess it's not a non-net neutrality thing, but they're getting better access than Tom Merritt's home video service. Well, yes and no. I mean, honestly, Tom Merritt's home video service probably gets plenty of access because there aren't that many people okay. coming to it. Yeah, I heard it uh, sucks. And, and like I said, it, it's more of a cost-saving measure for Netflix. Netflix stays on Cogent. Uh, they get plenty of access to Comcast because Cogent's ports all day long, That's right? That's what they do. Uh, yeah. but, but Netflix has to pay Cogent for that, okay. just like a, you get to pay to get online, right? And so what Netflix is thinking is like, well, look, if we directly connect, we save a lot of money. That's really interesting. Okay, so I, now I think I understand that part of it. So let's take a sharp turn and talk zero rating. So whenever somebody says zero rating, they always follow it with, you know, like how T-Mobile gives you YouTube that doesn't go towards your data cap. That sure sounds like prioritizing traffic by charging, letting you have something for free. You know, Tom's video service isn't free. So they're allowing one thing that they're not allowing the other to get to the customer. Yeah, this is where net neutrality starts to get. Like, well, what do you mean by net neutrality? Uh, Because whether it's a violation or not depends on what you mean by it. Uh, If you strictly mean do not prioritize, T-Mobile's not prioritizing anything. They're not touching the packets. The packets are all delivered exactly the same for everybody. All they're doing is saying, we just won't count those packets against your bill. You still get them. So that's back to the market position. Right. So some people look at that and say, well, hold on. If I have to pay for these packets, but not for these packets, you're essentially making me pay for packets, yeah. right? Whereas T-Mobile would say, no, you're just paying for service and certain packets are bonus packets, right? Certain packets are free. Uh, Wait. If you talk to someone in India, they're going to say that's a violation of net neutrality. And we know this because Facebook got in big trouble for trying to engage in zero rating in, in India and, and got shut down for doing oh, it. They, right, they wanted right. to do this free basics program yeah. where they said, oh, well, if you have the free basics app, it won't count against your data cap. And India said, no, that is not OK. If you go to Nigeria, though, the people there are like zero rating. Zero rating's the best. I get free stuff. <laughs> That's not a neutrality violation. It's the best thing ever. It just gives me more things. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So every country looks at this differently as yeah. they go through it. So And that's why the FCC, when they when they put the open internet guidelines in 2015, said, well, zero rating isn't a clear violation. We see that it could be abused, though, so we'll keep an eye on it. And because of that. You see T-Mobile saying, we'll accept anyone into our zero rating program and we won't charge them. 
So the T-Mobile Video oh. Zero rating was was not something that companies had to pay to to Okay, so it's not that Netflix or YouTube or whoever is paying money to be part of that. Right. So so Tom's now, video service could get into that. Theoretically, I mean it might be kind of tough to get someone from T-Mobile on the phone, uh, <laughs> you know. Hi but, John. Uh yeah. It it could happen. What will change is once those open internet guidelines are repealed, now there's no risk. T-Mobile could start charging people. It will not be a violation. Oh, okay. It, before it wasn't clearly a violation, but it was like, well, we don't want the FCC poking around in our stuff. So we'll just, we'll just do it this way. Cause it's pretty safe. Okay. Now there won't be, an, there won't be any rules on the books that they would be in violation of. So we will still have public outrage to fall back on, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> we'll always have that. There seems to be an inexhaustible supply. I like it. I like it. Um, so if Tom Merritt was in charge, you got to write the laws, you got to make this all happen. What would you do? Uh, th- we need a new law. I mean, I, I think that's I've made that probably clear in my statements is the Telecommunications Act of, of 34 of 96 are not adequate to this task. The Internet is a different thing. It's not a telecommunication service. It's not an information service. It's not cable TV. It's not the telephone. It's an entirely new thing. And we need to codify that. We need to to put into law, this is what the internet is good at. This is what it should be doing. And if you try to not do that, uh, then you're not an internet service provider. You're something else, and that's the way it's going to be. Now, what form that takes, I don't claim to have the answer. I don't claim to have the law written. I think that needs to be negotiated between the companies that use the internet, the people who use the internet, and the ISPs that provide the service uh, so that everybody's needs are balanced. But it is something like no paid prioritization without some kind of extreme reason. And, and we should have a mechanism for that reason being determined. Uh, telesurgery is always trotted out as like without with net neutrality laws, people will die because they can't get telesurgery because you can't prioritize the package. <laughs> we can totally keep net neutrality and provide managed services like telesurgery if we write the law correctly. It's not easy though. Uh, and, and it's a knee jerk reaction to say, I don't want the government figuring this out. I don't want, you know, if you write a law, it's going to be abused. Those are absolutely true. That's true of highway laws. That's true of all laws. Uh, if we tried, maybe we could do it. It's certainly, you know, a smaller percentage bet that we'll get it right. But it happened with telecommunications. It happened with cable. Uh, neither of those were perfect, but something would be likely to be better than this ping pong match we have now with ill-fitting definitions. And it seems to me that a big piece of the problem, well, we like you say, we have these ill-fitting definitions, but a big piece of the problem is that we don't have competition. And uh, Ajit Pai is is all about like, well, let's just let free and open competition take care of it. Right. And I mean, that that's, that's another thing is maybe part of this law uh, should be that, okay, you can't, block throttle or do paid prioritization except in these very limited circumstances and you can't stop people from using poles you can't get in the way of people digging up uh streets to lay fiber with again certain you know you don't want everybody just running around with jackhammers all the time believe me (laughs) jackhammers outside my house lately i'm like what are you doing you better be doing something that benefits me (laughs) uh but but you shouldn't right now it's 
virtually impossible. There's a there's a government protection de facto because of rules on the books of incumbent ISPs make it very difficult even for a company as resourceful as Google to create new ISPs. And so we need a way to ease that. Korea is a model for this. Korea doesn't have net neutrality laws. Korea doesn't even have what are called unbundling laws. Brit Britain has unbundling. That's where, okay, British Telecom, you're going to build all the pipes, but you have to open them up to everybody. Korea doesn't even have that. You can build your pipes and keep them closed and not let anybody else use them. What Korea has is a guarantee that anybody who wants to get on the poles and access a building can. You can't stop them. And so they have... Some apartment buildings have four or five fiber networks running into their apartment <laughs> building because of that, and they have true competition, and they have the highest speeds of internet in the world. So you you bring up India, though, and, and when we were there, I must have taken 75 photos of the poles because apparently they have rules that anybody can hang anything on the poles. It, it is comedically like look under your desk at the wires coming out of the back of your computer. Multiply that, multiply that like by 70 and that is every single pole. It is yeah. comedically ridiculous. What I mean, it's like, oh, I need to talk to Bob. I better string a, string a wire over there. Well, yeah. I mean, and obviously you can't just let it be the Wild West and go, there's no rules. Everybody <laughs> just string. You have to have rules. But the rules have to be balanced. And right now they're overly restrictive to the point that it's difficult for people to to enter the marketplace that, and provide competition. That That's probably the biggest thing I've learned talking to you tonight, tonight is that I didn't realize that there were rules that kept away the competition. I, oh, yeah. I, got, I mean, actual laws that said there was a big fight in Tennessee when Google was going into a market uh, and Google got the city to change its rules to say, I don't have to call AT&T and schedule a person to come out to move a wire as long as my person is certified in such and such a way, they can move the wire out of the way so I can run my wire as long as I promise to put it back. And AT&T took them to court and said, nope, you have to order an AT&T person to come out oh my and move that wire so that you could put your wire in because otherwise you'll screw it up. Uh, and AT&T, of course, famously took weeks to send someone to move the wire every time it needed to be moved. Wow. Uh, that actually brings up another wire story. Our backyard has a whole bunch of wires hanging. And over the years, they've just begun to sag. And there's probably, I don't know, eight of them. And Steve has called every provider of anything electromagnetic he can find to say, can somebody just grab them all and scrunch them up into one? Because it's this, it's like this net hanging over our yard and we can't figure out who to call. So well, everybody's like, well, I can't touch his wire. Yeah, exactly. Right. None of them want to take responsibility. Wow. They're like, I mean, yeah, I could come out and move my wire, but that's not going to move the other ones. So. And I can't and I can't bundle it to Bob's wire. Right. Because yeah. that's a whole nother thing. Because that's an ordinance violation. Wow. And because the telcos wanted to put that in place, there, there's there's some validity to like you don't want anyone just coming around and messing with the wires because sure. then yeah. we have to fix your screw up. Right. But there are some laws that were written so restrictive that they unintentionally have the effect of keeping competitors out. <laughs> now, that gets into keeping out municipal Wi-Fi as well. Can you talk oh, yeah, about that Yeah, there's all? that whole thing, right, uh, where uh, a lot of, of times the ISPs will push for a law to be put in place either in a city or a state that prevent municipalities from creating their own ISP. That I don't uh, – that, that makes the top of my head blow off, Tom. I, I, what? Well, okay, so Chattanooga is the the poster child for municipal broadband. They they ran fiber 
years ago. They've had gigabit fiber forever because the city decided to invest in it. And the ISPs hated that. They didn't want that to catch on. So they started going to places that looked like they might be trying to do the same thing and went to the city government and said, government shouldn't interfere in private enterprise by competing with it. So you need to pass a law that protects us from the government running us out of business. And they got a lot of people to support it and in voting by saying the government wastes money. Do you want them wasting money uh, providing Internet when we already provide Internet? And they got people to vote for it. Wow. We also I want to make sure that people who don't live in the United States really grasp how bad this is. Uh, and, uh, and I know Bart loves this stuff. Um, our m- mutual friend, Diane, and I wrote to you when, when I heard this and I didn't believe it could possibly be true, but our mutual friend, Diane lives in an area where she has, um, we'll go Comcast. I forget who it is. Time Warner. No, she's got Time Warner, which is now called something else. Anyway, she's got a cable service provider and it's horrible. She has terrible problems with it. So she finds out that AT&T, uh, their Fios is available in her neighborhood. It is physically in her neighborhood, and she tried to get it and was told she can't because I think it was something like she has a Verizon phone line or something is why she couldn't have AT&T as her Fios provider. Do you remember that conversation where we talked about that? Where I was, I'm, I'm trying to remember it. I it yeah, was, I think I think what it was is that Verizon hadn't run the fiber into her house, or or, or Verizon had like run there. the fiber into her house. And and so AT and T couldn't therefore hook her up. Yeah, I can't, even remember, I can't it, remember exactly. It, it was it was really bizarre because it was like people on either side of her could have it and she could not, even though it was totally available in her neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a problem of oh we haven't laid the fiber there. It was and it's as, a pretty unusual situation to be honest. the The more common situation in the U.S. is I just don't have a choice. I've got one provider and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. You guys were talking about statistics the other day on DTNS, you and Sarah, about. Yeah, I'm how actually many trying people... to find these. I'll vamp for you in the meantime. And then he was saying, uh, <laughs> but, but they, they were talking about how many uh, people, what percentage of the United States has access to what right. anyone okay. else would call real broadband. The FCC's last Internet Access Service report from April 2017 uh, notes that. of developed areas in America. So these are places where people live, right? We're not talking about the Rocky Mountains or, you know, we're not beef, we're not padding the stats. We're talking about developed areas have two or fewer ISPs uh, that offer. And, and, and we're talking, when we're talking ISPs, we're saying 25 megabits per second minimum, right? So lots of people have multiple dial up ISPs (laughs) even now. Go Uh, satellite. Woohoo. And folks will sometimes have a cable provider that gives 25 megabits per second and a DSL provider that gives five megabits per second. Five megabits per second is no longer considered viable broadband. You can do your email and stuff, but so we're talking about 25 megabits per second minimum. Uh, 42% of developed areas in America have two or fewer choices. Uh, 21% had none. Had no none? provider provides 25 megabits per second or more. So the 21 is is a subset of the 42. Yeah. 42 right. was two or fewer. Mm-hmm. Wow. You'll give me a link for the show notes for that one, right? Yeah, I'm, I'll pull it up right now. But uh, I, wow. I'll give you a link to the actual report. You could just uh, scroll through to find the graph there. But, you know, percentages so have developed census blocks in which providers reported the deployment of residential fixed broadband. I think you could call us a developing country 
<laughs> Look, if you want to make a hundred megabits per second, the 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 minimum, which granted it's arguably necessary for people who want to cut the cord or or do a lot of telephone, it's going to be the standard soon. Um, it's it it's not necessary so for say everybody. Two or three years from now, uh, but if we- you if you look at a hundred, fifty one percent of the U.S. has no provider that gives them 100 megabits per second. They don't even have the choice to get it if they wanted it. Wow. Is it possible that there will be technology that will leap past all of this problem? I mean, our phones are getting real fast. Yeah, no, 5G is a is a is a good promising uh, effort there. In fact, Google seems to be shifting towards wireless for their fiber, not necessarily for 5G, but for microwave backhaul and stuff like that. Uh, 5G is going to allow you to maybe see what ha- what's happening with with cord cutting happening to ISPs, where it's like, hey, we've got four national providers of internet service. It's just never been fast enough on wireless, but with 5G, it might be. Uh, and then there's the idea of mesh networks, which is something that has not been perfected yet. But the idea with mesh networks is net neutrality becomes no issue with mesh networks because no one has a central server. Everybody's mm. just passing bits along to everybody else. So you can't stop them. You can't get them away. <laughs> uh, it does seem like the Internet finds a way, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it feels like the Internet finds a way slower than it used to it's taking a little longer for it to route around than than in the olden days but it's still there still works i i think of the internet as like a a, a fluid right that's going to find its path but maybe there's some sludge in it right now it's it's a little little viscous viscous right now yeah exactly (laughs) all right well tom this is uh this has been great i've listened to you talk about it a lot of times but um and dtns the daily tech news show is definitely the place to go get this kind of information on a on a constant basis um but and each time i just learn a little bit more and i i appreciate having it all in one cohesive piece here today yeah and uh, you know i know it's not simple but that's that's why it's such a problem is that it is hard for people to wrap their heads around. And a lot of people just don't want to think about it. They're like, ah, I don't know. It, it sounds complicated. I don't like government or I do like government. And then they leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I can completely understand that way of looking at things. <laughs> yeah. Well, if people wanted to uh, connect up with you, what's the uh, best way? What's your Twitter handle? <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, just search for Tom Merritt uh, on Twitter and and look for the crazy handle, not the one called Tom Merritt. I own both, but Ace Detect A C E D T E C T uh, is my Twitter. That that's a great place to follow what I do. I also have TomMerritt.com if you want to check that out. All right, great. Uh, he's a, a podcaster, an author, a man about town, and I like having gin and tonics with him. Oh yeah, no, this was the best. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This show is not supported by ads, it's supported by you. If you learn from the show, or even if you're just merely entertained by the shows, please consider supporting the show. If you go to podfeet.com, there's a big red button in the top banner that says, Support the Show. If you click it, that will reveal to you several ways to contribute. You can pledge a monthly amount using Patreon. You can use the Amazon affiliate link for your country. You can make a one-time donation using PayPal. Or you can record a listener review, which is an awesome way to contribute. You can always chat directly with me via Twitter at Podfeet or email me at allison at podfeet.com. You can join the conversation in Facebook by going to podfeet.com slash Facebook or on Google Plus at podfeet.com slash Google Plus. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.